Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's got to 2 2, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Yo! Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another weekly Wednesday evening edition of Touchy Gunas. It's your boy SV Carbaholic on hosting duty. Um, I am joined by one of our listeners who has been on before, but he's back again. Khalil HT3, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me yeah. back. Really enjoyed yeah. the first appearance. Let's see if we can do this time. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. Thank you for joining. Um, some of the regular cast, we have like three of them on holiday. All of these guys are doing vacation with their women. Um, obviously, Nigerian Dan has baby duties. His kid has him in a chokehold. Um, but we will be joined by Anton further down the line, who will be joining in a few minutes. So, um, yeah, what I want to do, um, and just before we get going, um, just a quick plug of, of you know the house rule so we normally do um we have a patreon which you can join for as little as three pound a month where we do obviously a lot of regular post matches the post match from the newcastle victory is on there um so feel free to tell a friend to tell a friend and um feel free to plug in on there so we go into the deep tactical dives um individual player analysis on there so we won't go too heavy on that tonight but but we will start now um Khalil, so let's get into it um we are now six wins in a row since the start of the year in the league from Dubai. I believe we are now, don't quote me on this, I think we're at 25 goals scored and just three conceded. Our XG against is 0.189 XG against, which is less than three times the nearest person, which is, you know, City with six XG. So 
whatever these guys did in Dubai, they were they need to carry on doing it. You know, they they've really, really, you know, a lot of the concerns that some of us had around Christmas time. I think was that when you were last on? Was it was yeah, it yeah, Christmas I was on time it you were last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so a lot of the concerns we spoke around around that time. Um, these guys seem to have really alleviated, you know, a, a lot of the stuff we spoke about, the attackers not cooking, but they've come back, man. You know, I mean, the way we performed really has, has, has been top um, since the turn of the year. Obviously, Porto blip aside, but even we said, you know, those things can happen. Um, so it, it is what it is. It's, it's not a big, big deal to worry about. So um, before I touch on, obviously, certain aspects of the Newcastle game specifically, Khalil, how are you feeling? just about what you've seen since the turn of the year. So now, obviously, um, we're almost, you know, tomorrow, well, tomorrow's 29th, but then um, we will be entering the start of March. So almost three months into the start of the year now. Um, how are you feeling generally about the team? Uh, feeling really, really good. I mean, it's gone, I mean, can't ask for any better. I remember, obviously, when I came on during the winter break, we were talking about how uh, you could see, like, uh, confidence in the front players in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net was it they definitely felt as if they had kind of like a mental block um i know obviously in the first half of the season there was a lot of debate about how we weren't pro progressing the ball fast enough or creating enough clear-cut chances and what we saw obviously just before christmas was an increase in the amount of chances we were creating but obviously them not converting and that was a big concern for me going into the second half of the season because obviously compared to Liverpool and City generally, when you watched them previously, you felt as if they gave themselves the margin of error. I think there were a lot of performances obviously in the first half of the season where, of course, we won, but it was unnecessarily nervy for a long period of time because you hadn't put the game away. You know, it's like 1-0 going into the 70th minute. We've had, you know, a bunch of chances that we missed. And then there's that tension. There's that potential for things to go wrong. There's potential for you know, Zinchenko to let the full uh, winger going behind him and the equalised kind of thing. But yeah, since the turn of the year, I think with the tactical tweaks that Arteta has made, um, obviously we've seen Kiwiol come in and he's not interpreting that role the same way that Zinchenko does. You know, he's more of a traditional defender in that case. And we've seen, obviously, the use of the double pivot with Jorginho and Rice in the bigger games. And even with Rice at the bottom um, of the midfield, you've seen how um, Havertz has been utilised um, as a false nine, which I felt would be his best position in this team as well. So I think things have really, really come together. And of course, the you know our uh, front six have really done a good job of putting the ball in the back of the net. Obviously, Saka has been uh, talked about a lot. He's really, really stepped up. Uh, you know, confidence is high. I think it's obviously just a matter of maintaining it, which is you know easier said than done. I mean. I think City have won like 14 of the last 16. So, you know, that's the kind of level that these players need to get to in order to win. And that's a very, very difficult ask. But I think the way that they've, the way they're playing, the way that the coaches set them up, even with the Porto blip, I still feel as if uh, this team can do really, really good things, um, you know, between now and the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I can't have asked anything better. Um, yeah, just creating chances and taking them. And then that's when you get the opportunity to rotate as well. I mean, we're, we're moaning about, you know, Spithrow getting, you know, like, like, you know, one minute at the end of games and stuff. But when you're 3-0 up, 4-0 up, that's when you can get guys like Ethan. That's when you can get guys like Spithrow. And that's when you can get even the other squad players that you maybe find are a bit more, you know, unfancy. But it's 
good to get minutes under their belt in case they are actually needed and they're not completely in the cold. So there's those little details that I think are really uh, coming together. So yeah, can't ask for anything better so far. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and and um, I, I think I think it has come together. Obviously, we've been hearing, we've been seeing. You know, saw uh, the Arsenal account today tweet that Jury and Timbers back in full training. I saw Thomas Party as well. So it's it, it, it's an interesting one, right? Because I think when they asked Arteta in the press conference, what do you want more than anything going into the running? It's about key personnel available, right? It's, it's you want a full roster of a squad to choose from. Um, and it's even annoying because I'm seeing um, there's another international break next month, which is yeah. <laughs> quite terrible. And obviously Chelsea have just won now, which means after the Porto game, it's the second leg, we have a 19-day break. So there's actually no fixture for almost three weeks um, obviously, I know international breaks are, are, are in between that time as well, but that's it's one of those annoying things, right? You know, once you're in, in the zone where you're just winning, you just want those games to keep coming, to keep coming. And yeah, that, that international break, I'm not looking forward to, partly because naturally you always worry about injuries, right? But some of our players get, yeah, cooked when they get, when they go on, you know, international break, man. So slightly, slightly wary, man. From a selfish standpoint, I hope Arteta's you know, taking a little ploy from the Fergie clock playbook, tell some of these guys to, to, you know, to milk some injuries because I know Southgate is out here ready to flog Saka within <laughs> an inch, within an inch of his life, man. So, um, yeah, I, I think you made a lot of good points. Generally, I think we're in a good place and, and heading into the, to the running now, I think it's, it's key one to Arteta's point to have all of the key players available and two, um, cause, cause I think w w when you look back historically, right. Uh, Tommy Aston Saliba went down at crunch time last season and that, and that was a big miss. And even if you go back to the season before where we were fighting for the top four, um, Party went down. I think Tommy Asu went down. Tierney went down. So it always feels like when it's the crunch time, we're always, whenever at full strength and, and you know, when it's in the championship months, you need all your key players available. So, and it looks like I've been seeing what some of the, um, you know, the Arsenal ITKs have been saying about Arsenal holding certain players back, you know, or, or, um, tempering with certain players workloads which which I which I think is good it seems like you know seem to be learning as well not forcing anything if necessary you know because we, we still have obviously certain individuals available at the moment so um yeah it, it's coming together okay man so I am I'm, I'm always someone who describes myself as a bit of a cautious optimist I don't like to get too too carried away um but I like what I see in terms of everything basically at the moment it looks it looks really good it looks really cohesive um and obviously the, some of the stuff we talked about with goals which were which were lacking before we've addressed that while still remaining really really resolute defensively you know as in we're giving almost nothing away i know those guys would have been annoyed they conceded a late one to newcastle um at the weekend so so yeah but um let's come on to that newcastle game let's come on to that newcastle game um i think that was important to bounce back um after that you know the the, the late goal conceded against porto midweek which we did which we did really well and i think that first 45 minutes especially might have been i think i remember brighton at home which was really good liverpool at home which was good but that's probably up there for one of the best 45 minutes uh, I've, or sorry I shouldn't even say 45 minutes from start to finish we, we bossed that game essentially Newcastle didn't yeah. really have Newcastle didn't really have a breather um and and I was partly impressed because it was 
our third game in seven days and we hadn't rotated much. So, you know, sometimes, you know, when you don't do that, you expect a bit of a, a dip in energy levels, right? Uh, especially when you've played away in Europe midweek. But I was surprised at how strong we were, especially in that 45 minutes. We were, you know, I saw, I saw someone say like, uh, Arsenal strangled Newcastle the same way Homer Simpson used to strangle Bart. So, uh, yeah, what, what were your thoughts? Um I mean, I mean, I, I, we can come on to individuals um, separately, but um, what what were your thoughts, especially on that first forty-five? Yeah, it was a really, really impressive performance. I think I felt as if like the players were trying to prove a point after the portal game. I think um, not so much because of outside noise, but obviously, you know, you, you take the L in the game that there was a lot of hype around about you know us on this great run of form, obviously dropping to Porto. There's almost like an expectation that there's going to be a drop off at the next game. Like I was more nervous of how we would perform as opposed to the opposition. Obviously, Newcastle haven't been in a good run of form. You know, they're a bit of a mess this season. But I was definitely concerned that that first half might come out a bit, you know, like a bit leggy, a bit hesitant. Like you know, the movements just being missed here and there, and things not connecting. So to see how strong we started, and then obviously to make the breakthrough, uh, yeah, it was very very key. But what I also liked is we scored early, but not like super early. Because I know like, you know, you, you get a few opportunities and you miss them and maybe mentally start, maybe the players start to feel the nerves and obviously the Emirates gets a bit nervy and so on and so forth. But yeah, the way that they pressed Newcastle really, really strangled the life out of them. It was super, super impressive. And like you said, not much rotation, but yeah, players did not seem to miss a beat. Obviously, you know, not going to get to... To individuals for now but yeah just a general really solid performance really professional i think it really does bode well going forward um especially when you compare it to last season i think this season there seems to be more we seem to be better prepared both physically and mentally for the running and i think this is the sort of game that proves it um very professional there was no kind of loss of concentration even with the goal that was conceded it wasn't in my opinion i don't think it was after kind of sloppiness i think when you look at the XG generally, you know, with, even in this game that they scored, it was still very, very low. And, you know, you're not going to keep every team out. So, uh, yeah, no, really, really solid performance. And again, set pieces. We are a killer team at set pieces. And what I like is not only are we a threat from set pieces, but we're also a threat from open play. And I think once you've got kind of both working in tandem off each other, it makes us a very, very difficult team to beat. Um yeah, so uh, really like a five-star performance. And uh, yeah, really, really good to see the players bounce back, both physically and mentally, from what could have been a really, you know, destructive loss, you know, last minute in the Champions League gets away from home. So yeah, really, really, really good performance. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, right? I often see people talk about the set pieces. Is it sustainable? I think we're now up to 19 for the season. I think the record is 22 um but i think generally when you spend as much time in the opposition half as you do when the field tilt is so in your favor in a lot of games you're going to generate a lot of those opportunities right so it makes sense to practice right i think you know it, it, historically you'd always associate set pieces with teams that were struggling down the bottom are they're under pressure maybe they'll use set pieces but it makes sense especially as an offensive side if you're a team that can generate so many um offensive situations and you fall so many corners through shots and deflections whatever it makes sense to work on it right and and i think that's part of 
probably feeds into our recruitment strategy, right? Because when you look, you've got Gabriel Saliba, um, Havertz in there, Kivior in there, Ben White in there. So you have a lot of six foot plus guys. It's, it's a weird one because I was joking in the group chat as well that I know Declan Rice has been getting a lot of assists from set pieces, but Declan Rice is another six foot two guy. Ideally for me, like you'd want him in there, right? But when he's delivering like this, I don't think you can be too mad at him taking it. But, you know, I think back to the, the Man United winner, the Luton winner, where he's in the box as well. You're like, that's another offensive threat. But I guess when you've got four, five, six foot plus guys already in the box um, and you've got someone with Declan Rice's delivery, I'm even wondering whether this guy might start taking direct free kicks for us now as well because of <laughs> because of the way... Um, yeah, because of the way he's taking them. So, no, it's, it's, it's really, really good. And it, it's a good, very good tool to have to your armory. In fact, actually, I thought Porto did quite well to to be smart to it, you know, during during um, the Champions League game. But offensively, yeah, we're using it really well. And it's against teams that tend to be quite big themselves, right? Like Newcastle, yeah. West Ham. So um, it's really, really good. Really, really good. And, and, it, and it just shows the different um, tactical layers that you have to, that you can work on different aspects and you can be a threat through numerous different ways. So, yeah, let's um, let's touch on a few individuals that I want to pick out. Um, so I'll start with an, an, uh, who I think was essentially man of the match, right? Um, so I'll go with... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Eugenio for me, um, I think he was the best player on the pitch. I think the first, what he, and this is coming from someone, me, who's historically not a big Jorginho fan, partly down to his lack of athleticism. However, when we can always reduce the spaces he has to run into, there's no doubt that Jorginho technically is very, very nice. Um, his pass selection, his pass appreciation is top. And I thought he was really, really in his bag in this game. Really, really in his bag. Like the ball he played for for the second goal, was was top, but just the way he was dictating, getting, giving, going, the um, you know the angles he was creating on his passes, he was breaking lines very quickly. He was hitting you know balls over the top, so there was a lot of unpredictability to what he was doing. And obviously, we know that generally we we seem to have two game models this year, right? Generally, when we're playing against low blocks, we'll have Rice and then maybe Havertz and Erdegaard in front. But for a lot of the bigger games, right, we've tended to operate with more of a double pivot. You saw, even if we go back as far as the Community Shield in August, had Party and Rice. Um, but I think we've had a lot of games where there's been Jorginho and Rice, even think back to a couple of weeks ago against Liverpool, where Jorginho was very, very good in that game against Liverpool as well. So um, let me just give you the floor now. Just um, how do you, and, 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 and it's, it's noticeable, right, that 
Arteta uses him for certain specific features. Funnily enough, I thought he might have used him away to Porto, actually. I thought that might have been a game for him. But I guess maybe at his age, 32 now, he's probably not going to play like, you know, a few games a week. So we're cherry picking his games for him. But I thought he was very, very good. And I'm always objective, even if, you know, you're not my personal favourite. I, I thought he was top, top on, on Saturday. So, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I completely agree. Um Anyone can search my tweets and see that I'm not the biggest Jorginho fan for a period. <laughs> but yeah, I can't argue. I think if you compare to the North London derby this season, that was like worst case scenario Jorginho, where there's no rice in there and it's just bare open gaps that he's having to cover. Mm. And yeah, that's a recipe for disaster with this. I mean, Jorginho was never the most athletic, but when you put him in that sort of midfield, it was just a recipe for disaster. And that's kind of the Jorginho I was envisioning we'd be getting a lot of, where you're not really yeah. getting him being effective on the ball and obviously his weaknesses are being amplified. But yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, metronome, masterclass, whatever it is you want to call it, he really uh, helped pull the strings. I, I know this is obviously hindsight, but at the beginning of the week, I was thinking that uh, Jorginho would play in Porto and I, if... If I was given the option, I would have preferred to have started him in Porto and actually benched him for Newcastle, if if it had to be a case of one or the other, just purely because mm. that European fixture, I think his skill set was really missed, especially when you saw how uh, Porto did a really good job of, um, you know, blocking off the passing lanes. And someone like, having someone like Jorginho, I think would have been really beneficial, just to kind of calm the storm um, at times as well, but also for a progressive passer. Um, yeah, the pass for the second goal. One thing I remember, I think I tweeted that out in run that Martelli made for the second goal. Mm -hmm. That is something that we should be seeing more often in this team. It's a combination of a maybe that run not being made enough, but b that pass not also not being made. And when you've got someone like Jorginho on the pitch, he can see that pass and make it. Mm. Um, I think. Obviously, we're not exactly struggling with creation, but it is another weapon of attack that feels if we don't see enough. Like I'm used to seeing like peak Liverpool with Salah Armani when they make that mm. out-to-in run mm. and you know that pass is coming from, you know, Trent, even Henderson. You know, it doesn't matter. Like, you know that out-to-in is coming and it puts pressure even on a low-block team because, as you can see, look at how deep Martelli got into the box and managed to cross for uh, Havertz in the end. Uh, yeah, just having that kind of person that can unpick a lock like that is so so valuable um yeah and having Jorginho alongside Rice it allows Rice to free up and roam which we saw how well he you know he might just do that he was just absolutely like a proper pressing machine you know Bruno G couldn't rest and obviously that complements Jorginho's skill set really well uh I would I th I think that's, I would like to see him start the return leg, but I think it's more difficult because of the context of what we need to do in that second leg. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I still think it'll be valuable to start um, mm. just so, you know, yeah, I mean, for his obvious ball progression capabilities. And also he's the adult in the room. Not that we have an immature team, but he's obviously a really experienced head. Mm. And having that kind of person who has a really good pass appreciation, mm -hmm. you know, I think. And yeah, yeah. Um, considering how much I hated the transfer and mm. still to a certain extent, I can't mm. deny his value, especially in a, in a team like this that's looking to make that net step from just a good team to winners, which is arguably the most difficult thing that, you know, a team needs to do uh, because obviously there's no blueprint. You just got to go and do it. Um, yeah. So yeah, all the praise for Jorginho. Um, I think that our, the only thing I should say is maybe Arteta should 
uh, resist the temptation of just kind of starting him as much as possible with the games. I think, again, we're going to have to be selective with where he starts. So I think it's probably best just to save him for now for the Champions League games until obviously party is available mm. or so-called bigger games that we've got left. But yeah, he's a yeah, really, really good performance. Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally agree. I think deserves massive, massive props. Um, to your point, I think the experience definitely comes in handy at times when you talk about it's played in the biggest games, um, Champions League final against City, um, European Championship final for Italy against England. So, you know, you, you can never hold that against him. And I, and I think to to mitigate against sort of my fears, yeah, whenever he's partnered with Rice, I don't really have that same fear because I know Rice will get through a lot of the legwork for Drew Jr. by winning the ball higher up to give him a bit more time on the ball and, you know, act as a four for him. It sort of reminds me similar of, you know, when Jorginho used to play next to Kante. So very, very similar in, in, in that aspect. So, and we know how well that worked for Chelsea, right? So, um, so yeah. Um, and thank you for welcome. Welcome on board. Um, we were just talking, we were just eulogising on um, Jorginho's performance on Saturday. We were talking about obviously how, for a lot of the bigger games, we tend to use a double pivot. Um, so, how, how did you how did you see him? Um, and we spoke about we were quite shocked. Arteta probably maybe didn't use him against Porto, but obviously he chose Newcastle's the game to use him. Maybe because he can't play two times a week anymore because of his age. But but what did you think about his performance against? Yeah, oh, well, bruv, this guy moves like he, he, he moves like one though. But um, but yeah, what did you think about his performance against Newcastle overall? Yeah, he was very good against Newcastle. But I think, by and large, that's generally what you get from him in high-pressure games. Like, he might make the odd mistake here and there, but generally in high-pressure games or high-stakes games, that's what you get. He 1,000% should have started against Porto. Um, I think you, you we we always would need, if we don't have Partey, we would mm. definitely need him in those kind of European games. I think it was... Mm -hmm. I don't want to be too dramatic because really and truthfully we should have got out of there with a draw but um, yeah I think it was I just think it was a mistake to not play him mm -hmm. against uh, Porto and I, I don't think we've got any evidence that he can't play two games in a week okay okay I, I, I think I think yeah I'd be very surprised if when he's had a starting role um, he hasn't been able to do that Okay. He, he's, a, he's a brain more than brawn player, so yeah, of course, of course, Na for sure, naturally. And and I compared it to like you know the partnership he's had with Rice, similar to when you know Kante was doing a lot of his legwork for him at Chelsea, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and do, I was saying like you know normally in the a lot of the bigger games this season, right? We tended to operate with more of a double pivot. Um, rather than like, you know, in the smaller games, we just tend to go with Rice at six and then two eights ahead of him. But obviously that seems to have worked well in a lot of the bigger games um, this season generally. So is is that something looking forward, you still think we should should continue or is it just game dependent? Yeah, I think I think it's horses for courses at this stage. So, you know, now if, if Partey can stay fit for the remainder of the season, mm. this is generally the amount of football we get from him a season <laughs> anyway. Um, he has done it in a different order. So I, I think I think it is definitely something to look at. And even if I mean I'm not I'm not saying what you're saying about Jorginho isn't true, but mm. if, if that is to be true, then 
we have an even better option for, for that double pivot as well. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Well, we'll see, yeah, because we, we've seen, I think, the Arsenal account tweet. I said to Khalil earlier that um, party, we saw Party in full contact training today. We saw Timber in full contact training. So, you know, to Arteta's point, um, in heading into the running, he wants pretty much a full squad available to him. So so we'll see how that pans out. Let me um stick with you because we're just talking on individual performances. Um, I will pivot to... Mr. 29 himself, Kai Havertz, uh, probably the most scrutinised player at the club. Um, and one of the uh, most scrutinised... He's not the most scrutinised. Who's, 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 who's more scrutinised than him? I think, I think, but, but internally or externally? Both. Externally, Saka. Okay. Uh, yeah, think... but, but that's because that's that's of the ops, though, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. By the Arsenal fan base specifically, rather than just generally. Yeah, so when I say internally, by internally I mean the fan base, externally I mean everybody else. We're, okay. we're, all, we're all one with it. Um, so internally I would say Raya. You think so? I yeah. think so. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I think that. Because Raya didn't have any allowances made for him and Raya came with a clean slate. Raya hadn't had didn't have a bad rep prior to coming. Look how people spoke on Ray. Everything, every single thing that he done, good or bad in the game, it, it was it was under a microscope. Havertz was allowed to play shit, and people were pretending that was a good performance. It's very true. For it's for for months. So I I don't think we can say he's getting an unfair level of scrutiny. If anything, he's had way too much protection. Mm, mm. In my opinion. Uh, I, 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 I see. I see where you're coming from on that point. Um, all right then, but let's let's talk about his performance on Saturday, right? And and this probably links into a listener question we've got from I don't know how to pronounce this Asohao Eleven, um, where he says, "How do you rate Kai's performance as a nine? Every time he plays in a big game, he's been a massive handful for City, Newcastle, and Liverpool. So it's interesting, right? Because most of the games he's had has obviously been in sort of that left eight position. But for the bigger games, um, especially when Jesus has not been around, so we talk about the Community Shield, um, Liverpool at home, I thought he was decent in, and, and Newcastle at the weekend, which was probably his best performance to date. As a nine, I seem, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. I have, even though I'm still, obviously, I'm, I'm not a fan of the player, but for me, he just his movements indicate to me that he's a forward a lot more than a midfielder, right? Um, both in terms of obviously he can make himself a bit more of a nuisance, ran the channels well. Saturday was actually the first time I thought he actually linked play really well as well. Um, I thought I thought he combined well. Obviously, um, got his goal. He should have scored another one um, early in the second half as well. Um, but that was one of the performances where I can objectively say, you know, you can remove yourself from the situation, in my opinion, and be like. I thought Kai was generally really good. I thought he had a good performance. And if he played like that more often, um, I don't think many people would have a problem with him. Um, but generally going forward, I much prefer seeing him as a forward rather than as a midfielder. What about you, Ant? Right. So let's look at the history of it here. If you remember when Chelsea signed him and mm. Lampard was in charge, Lampard was trying to play him as a 10. Lampard was trying to play him as an 8. And those of us like myself who hadn't seen him before and just heard his name didn't get it. I'm watching this guy. I'm thinking, this guy is shit. Like, I don't get what's going on. Tuchel came in and Tuchel started playing him as a nine, false nine, whatever you want to call it. And he looked capable hmm. at times. Still not a big fan, but he looked capable at times. I don't quite get 
why Arteta tried to come away from the only role that you've seen him be decent in this country. Hmm. Because when he plays as a midfielder, he looks lost. Technically, physically, mentally, he's clearly not the level of our other midfielders when he's in midfield. When he's played up top, I'm still not crazy about it, he looks a much better player. He looks like he could be part of this team. Mm-hmm. Saturday, was it Saturday we played? Yeah, Saturday yeah, especially. Same. That was by far and away his best performance in an Arsenal shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't want, he's not lazy, but yeah. he, he lacks intensity on the ball generally. Mm-hmm. Technically, he's not very good generally. Um, I don't think those things were there Saturday. The finishing's still a bit wayward. But if you move well enough to get three three chances in a Premier League game, chances are you'll take at least one. So I'm I'm not mad at it. I, I was very happy with him on Saturday. I just mm. think Arteta's got to do away with this midfield experiment. He's clearly he's clearly not a midfielder. And even even if we are winning games with him in midfield, which we have been, you're 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 asking too much of other players for no reason. Like you don't have to have that strain on on Rice and Odegaard playing at doing three men's work in a three man midfield and there's only two of them really. it's just unnecessary so mm. play them as a forward as and when needed and, and I'm mm. cool with it but the midfield thing has to stop yeah yeah generally I see I see him as like a rotational forward going forward that's how I'd like him to be used personally like how he's been used in the bigger games I've actually had no issue with that but what about you Khalil yeah so I think the issue is the the ideal use of Havertz for me would be like a rotational forward. But the obvious issue is we did not the money spent is not for like a rotation. It's like premium money for Arsenal standards. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, if Rice wasn't uh, signed last summer, then Havertz would be our marquee seventy million signing, and then you know the scrutiny would be on him even more. Um, I think. Yeah, from the beginning, from when we signed him, I did think that the false nine or whatever sort of nine interpretation would be the best usage of him because I believe the weakest part of his game is his technical level in the final third. I don't think he is anything sort of special in that regard. Um, He's an excellent mover of the ball, off the ball, He's obviously really adept at carrying out uh, tactical instruction, as we've seen. I do think to defend him, though, now that I'm looking back on how the season has gone, I do feel as if injuries in midfield kind of prolonged the Havertz midfield experiment a little, because obviously Smith Rowe missed chunks of the season. Um, Erdegaard, remember, missed a chunk of the season. And Jorginho has also missed chunks of the season, but because he's kind of a backup player, we didn't notice it as much. I do feel as if if there were more available, consistently fit options in midfield, we might have seen Havertz be pushed to play that false nine nine. So, so, so if if I just stop you there, so just let let me use for example, had Party been fit all season, yeah, do you, you think his minutes would have been significantly reduced in midfield? Definitely, I definitely can see that. And um, but that's that's not because of sorry to cut you. That's not because of um, a preference of Arteta, that would just be because he could have dropped in because of his performances. 
Because if you look at the first couple games when we played, is it Forrest and Fulham? Yeah. Um, Partey played as a right back. I'm pretty sure Havertz started as a midfielder in those games. I think wasn't that's true. I think wasn't there also a factor though that there was a couple uh Zinchenko wasn't available at the start and Jesus wasn't available yeah. at the start as well. So so maybe had they been available, it might have been I don't know. I don't know. Well look, I don't know. Yeah, we I still... had uh, against Forest our first game of the season. Timber started mm. left back. Mm. That's another I forgot about. Yeah, so uh, Saliba and White centre backs. Partey was right back. Rice Odegaard have a centre mid with Enketia mm. up top. Obviously mm. Martinelli and Saka. Smith Rowe was on the bench. Trossard was on the bench. Jorginho was on the bench. Fabio Vieira was on the bench. Tommy Asu was on the bench. Gabriel was on the bench, and Kirio was on the bench. Mm. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's about. A, a lack of um, available midfielders. That's that's clearly a preference. Uh, pa- Palace away, same thing. Um, so yeah, obviously with, with his performances, he definitely w- could have been dropped. But at the same time, I don't think Arteta was going to spend sixty-five million on a player and just drop him after two bad games in the role he signed him for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not I'm not so sure that's true, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that, obviously, this is Arteta's signing. Everyone knows it. So there's an element of Arteta was going to try and make it work no matter what. I think that's obviously a part of it. But there were periods of time when I think even he maybe had started to understand that maybe the midfield role isn't for him. Because I remember Trossard played a few games at eight um, around, I remember the Brentford game and a few games either side of it were Trossard playing on the left eight. So I do think that at some point maybe Arteta would had had shifted his mindset maybe to think that the, that left eight wasn't best for Havertz. Um, I think, like you mentioned, it does put a lot of strain on the other two when you've got someone in there. Even though they say that the left eight, you know, is not supposed to be heavy on the ball, he's not supposed to be, you know, involved in build-up. I do think for how we play, there is that requirement to have some level of on-the-ball quality that, again, I'm not saying he's a bomb or anything, but it's clear that, you know, you see, like, especially when it comes to his passing in the final third and such, you can see it's just not at the level of, let's say, you know, obviously Odegaard or Smith or whatever. So I do think there's an element of that uh, when it comes to him. But yeah, uh, it's more specific to the Newcastle game. Yeah, he was obviously really good. He interprets space really well. Um, He's obviously, he's also a physical option and he, you know, presses really well. So all those kind of want in a kind of a target man, false nine, whatever you want to call it, someone who's a central attacker. it's a valuable tool to have. Again, there's the philosophical point of one of, is he, was he worth the, the investment or the level of investment? Again, that's a separate debate, but I don't think you can deny that he, for the, for where we are in the season, he does have uses going forward. And let's be honest, let me just slide in some Jesus slander. If Jesus was fit and firing and doing what he was supposed to do, then again, Havertz maybe had been less of a factor, but again, He's been given the opportunity and he's doing all right. And at this point, yeah, uh, I wouldn't really try and fix something that's not broken. Yeah, he's definitely earned a place as our starting striker right now. It's, uh, that, that's an interesting question, right? Because I, I was going to come to that. Obviously, we don't play until um, 
MNF now next Monday. Why? Why Wait. is there no Champions League this week? I'm so confused. I proper uh, break. They do the first set of legs and then yeah, they, have, they, have, they normally have a couple of weeks, don't they? Like between it, the both legs. I don't know. It's been a long time since we've been around. Here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been paying, <laughs> not been paying attention. Yeah, so, but it's but it's interesting because they don't normally do FA Cup midweek. But I think I don't know. I don't know. Just fixtures. But yeah. Um, so obviously we don't play till away till Sheffield United next Monday. Um, based on what we're hearing, Anton, obviously we've seen Jesus in training today. He was on the bench, but not brought on at the weekend. Um, Party's back in training. Timber's back in training. We're hearing Zinchenko and Tommy Asu are not far behind. So obviously Arteta's spoken about having a fit squad going into the running for the end of the season. Four. How? Two questions to you. This How is important, awful, bro? We've got five days. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm already shook, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you find a guy down in training, 100. <laughs> percent You can um, pick which two, but it's, it's going to be one of the usual suspects. Yeah, so pick I, I, out of Partey, Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Gabriel Jesus. Um, true. one of them or two of them is picking up an injury by Monday. Oh, yeah. mention in there, man. Let's be honest. Who? <laughs> You got to mention ESR in that group. Yeah, as well. yeah, Smith as well. So I, I tried to leave him out, but he was there as well. Um, okay, so, so based on that, um, assuming if Jesus does stay fit, would you bring him back in for the Sheffield United game, or are no. you so you'd continue with Havertz up top? I would, I would, I would, I would play the same team. You'd play the same team, so you'd even I, go, even though it's more of what would be a deep block, you'd continue with Jorginho and Rice as more of an eight, or would you bring in maybe like a Smith or Vieira to play alongside? Erdegaard and Rice at six, or, or no, would... I, 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 I would play the same team. I think depend when when do we play Porto? The following uh, week. the following week, yeah. So so yeah. So we have Sheffield United on Monday, then we don't play for like another seven eight days till yeah. Porto again. So I, 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 I would play the same team. I think that... Sorry, no, tell a lie. We have Brentford at the weekend. I think then on we the have yeah, 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 yeah. And Brentford's at home, right? Brentford's at home. Brentford's yeah, at home. I, I, I would play the same team against Sheffield United. I think okay. every Rotary. league game matters right now. Of course. I don't, yeah. I don't think um, we can be experimenting, especially with teams that... Are, I know they're shit, mm. but, you know, th those kind of teams, it's, those games are always ugly for Arsenal. I don't know what it is, but mm. we make them harder mm. than they do. Did you know what's killing me already? People are like, oh, yeah, like everyone's been slapped with Sheffield United. Arsenal might do a madness to them. I'm like, you lot know how football works, boy. Like, no, it's hard luck. That manager's getting sacked on Saturday. A new guy's going to be in on Sunday afternoon. New manager that bounce. New manager bounce. Yeah, we we've seen it before. So too too many times. Also, it's worth saying as well. Even though Sheffield United have been getting slapped. City only won there with a last-minute winner, and I think Liverpool only won there two-one as well. So you know how football works, man. These things don't obviously always follow um, the linear. Sorry, I heard a stat today that for the last three Sheffield United games, they've actually had more shots on target than their opponents. And all I could think was, yeah, this is just lining up to be nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spurs only beat them late as well. Yeah, I yeah, can't remember yeah. If, that, if that was at Tottenham or at Sheffield United, but they only beat them late. So yeah, they've had a few hammerings, but yeah, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't like midweek games up north. Mm, 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 mm. Um. Okay. Question. Um. How, and, and this is actually coming from one of the listeners as well. Uh, what's the name? I've just missed, ran past it. Um, yeah, Carseno underscore asked, are we better prepared for the title running 
this season than we were last season. Absolutely. So obviously we so 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 we've spoken about Anton. Um, we mentioned it just at the start of the pod, right? Um, last season, obviously Saliba and Tommy Asu went down, and that wasn't ideal. And then the season before, I think we were when we were chasing top four party. Tommy Asu and Tierney went down in the crunch time. So I think obviously to that point, that's why Arteta talks about. I think they asked him, they said, available. he said availability for him is the most important thing going into the, he just wants a fit squad going into the final, obviously, phase of the season. Um, we know injuries have cost us at key points in the running. So how important is that for you? or how, And how well prepared do you think we are for the running? Yeah, I think numbers-wise, we're fine. I think we've got the right cover in the right positions. I mm. think the most important thing, though, is mentally, this team now seems to know that they're a good team. You know, like last year, everything was new, in it? It's like, mm. we're happy to be here. We're just here for the journey kind of thing. If it, if it goes well, it goes well. But if it doesn't, we shouldn't be here. But I think now that their level of expectation in and out of the, the team has grown. So... What we are now is 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 our level. So I, I think the team are better prepared, and and know that they should be there. So it's more of a demand than a hope now. And 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 is and is that a case of just experience and, and learning through failures, or is it just it, a case it's, of it's, people it's, improving? It's experience, and it's based in reality. If you if mm. you perform the way we've performed over what from August of twenty twenty two. You can't do that by accident. Mm-hmm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's 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 clearly not a fluke. So that that's the team's level. Once you've hit a level and once you've accepted that's your level, you have to maintain a level. Whereas before, it was ah, uh, you know, we're 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 just happy to be here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It does it doesn't feel the same now. Yeah. Like before, if we played well and we won, everyone was happy. If we if we didn't play so well and we didn't win, it was ah, well, you know, we've been playing well. But now, playing well and winning, yeah, it's, it's, it's the bare minimum again. Absolutely. And that's... And that really is what it really is where we want to be. Um, there was actually one name I wanted to talk about that I forgot. Um, and, and we'll touch on this before we move on to some listeners' questions, right? Khalil, um, so obviously Zinchenko's been injured. Um, obviously, we know Timbers had his ACL. Um, in our group chat, right, there's been a lot of people. In, in fact, not many people are, are big fans of Kivio, right? And, and this is... So obviously some people have been like, he's, he's not the level. Others have argued that he's not really had a stretch or a run in the team to properly evaluate him. So this is the first stretch. I think he started the last four games now. Um, have you been overall like impressed with him? Obviously, um, Arteta's not inverting from that left side. If anything, you know, White's been the one inverting a bit more on the right-hand side. So how have you assessed his overall performance um, in this stretch and... Are you encouraged by what you see or or is it just the case of we're just managing as we go along? No, I think he's been good. I think people have been quite harsh on him, actually, because, again, asking him to replicate what Zinchenko's doing is not playing to his strengths. I mean, this is what we've got to remember, that Zinchenko is a midfielder playing at left-back and inverting. No, so, he's not. Why do we keep doing this? No, Dude. but he's but he's not. He's been playing left back for about seven seasons. No, he's, he's not. Back. Let's not do that. Let's. He's bruv. He's captain of Ukraine and he plays centre mid. I don't he, care he, about Ukraine. He, How, where is he <laughs> playing in the Premier League? No, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Pe- Peppers. They've chosen. He's to a left back now. So he's a left back. Uh, okay, but but naturally, okay. So you can say he's a left back now, but naturally he's a midfielder by trade. Even if that's where he's playing now, he's more of a midfielder than he is a defender, right? 
No, he's a left back. I don't agree, man. I don't agree. I don't agree. How how long do you have to play in a position to be that position? So is Saka not a right winger? Is Saka a left back or a left winger? So I think that's Saka... different though, because Saka was always a forward at academy level. He just yeah. broke in like and he got his minutes at left back in the first team. But no, but Saka left back. So is, is Saka a left winger? I think Saka's a winger that can play both sides, but he's more a right, right winger, obviously, because that's where he's played most. Zinchenko has been playing left back in the Premier League since 2017. We are now in 2024. I'm sorry, I'm not having this. He's not a left back anymore. How long does he have to go on for? Uh, Seven years. Or if if we phrase it like this, then if you want to go and say he's not a left back, what I'll say is Zinchenko is a guy who is very comfortable in midfield spaces in a way that someone like Kirill, who's a defender by trade, is not. So when you're asking Kirill to invert and do the same thing that Zinchenko was asked to do, it's not going to look too good for him. I remember, obviously, when he came in last season, he was obviously he came in and played at centre-back with Gabriel. I think he looked fine. Um, and then, obviously, this season, he was being brought on to do uh, some of those... Uh, what being asked to invert and progress the ball, which is not to his strength. And um, I think I mentioned to Fryer about white inverting. I think obviously white inverting has helped Kirill play a role that's natural to him and doesn't feel like what unbalancing the team in any way. Um, and he has played some really nice passes through. I remember there was the one, I mean, the clip has been circulated loads of times because of how Martin messed it up, but that one where he played that long ball in behind for Martinelli to run onto and then mess up that counter-attack opportunity. So he does have the ability to pass out from the back. It's just obviously in a different context where he's starting from a deeper position. But yeah, he's he's decent in duels, which obviously we know Arteta values very highly. Uh, you know, he's, a again, a threat from set pieces uh, like most of the team is now. So yeah, I've, I ain't got an issue with him whatsoever. I think it does provide good options going forward. Um, again, Timber's in injury limited kind of the opportunities to invert from both sides. But I think now you'll be seeing more of that. And again, provides more opportunities for guys like Kirill to come in and play well. I think he's played well. Um, I don't know what, what kind of what his max level is, but he's been fine enough that he's not standing out as a weak point mm-hmm. in the way. I got rated with Zinchenko where, you know, yeah, he's, he's great on the ball, but this thing of, you know, attacks coming down your side is, you know, is 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 a problem. So yeah, having that security is a good thing. I yeah. think the difference with Kirio is that Kirio plays left back like he's playing as a left sided centre back in a free. I mm. think another advantage he brings is that because of how he plays as a left back, as a third centre back, it means Gabriel doesn't have to do as much work and Gabriel can also be more aggressive and attack the ball higher up the pitch because he knows there's cover in behind. He's not leaving big spaces if he goes to win the ball. So not only has Kirio made our left side more solid with his own defending, he's allowed Gabriel to perform even better as well, which is obviously aids us in midfield and in defence. So, yeah, I I, I think he's been a a good improvement. I, I, I... well, as you know, I haven't been as crazy about Zinchenko as everybody else. I think a lot mm. of what he does in midfield is unnecessary. I think a lot of the time he comes and gets on the ball in midfield and he plays a pass that the midfielder was going to do anyway. He's just putting an extra body in there for no reason. And sometimes it was just slowing down the play and getting an extra touch for no reason. So I was never too 
crazy about what Zinchenko was doing in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, it looked nice, him moving the ball through one line, but it's not like he was coming in there and creating chances like what Trent's doing or what Cancelo's doing was doing. Mm. So I, I felt I felt a lot of it was pointless. I felt a lot what, of it was pointless. What what I will say and, and I don't um because to be fair, actually, Anton, you still haven't even said what. What's your actual opinion on Kivio? Do you like him or? Do, yeah, I, do you think think he, he's... I think I think he's okay. I think he's decent. okay. okay. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think. I think he makes us a more solid backline than mm. the Zinchenko's of this world does. And then mm. I, I haven't seen enough of Timber to have a personal yeah. opinion, but just yeah. based on like what you lot have said about him, mm. I think mm. he was. He's a, been a big loss, and I think mm. if Tommy Asu could be fit. I think we, I think Kirio gives us at left back the same thing Tommy Asu was giving us when he played at left back. It's just unfortunately he can't stay fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and obviously we need to remember Kirio's still a naturally a centre back by trade, right? So, um, I'm still leaving the jury out on him, but but I think he's done all right. I think what's probably filled me with a bit more encouragement, and I'm sure you guys will agree, right, is that. To the point and, and the flaws you're highlighting and with like Zinchenko and, and Khalil, you said it as well. I don't I don't even disagree with it. I think what's sort of filling me with a bit more confidence is right, last season if Zinchenko, Jesus or Party didn't play, we'd be like, Hurrah, this team is but I, I think it, it's sort of testament to how the team is now evolving that it's like, all right, cool, it's minor. Jesus is not there, cool. We, we Yeah, there seems to be at least like two capable players for every mm. role. Mm, that mm. I think I think I think the well when party's there, yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Leave, lose either of our centre backs, but yeah. outside of those two, mm. um, yeah, probably Odegaard and Saka. Yeah, but that's that's just based on the level that they bring more than not having adequate players that can play. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty solid everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think we, we we've learned to do better with absences, which I think was probably a criticism. I don't think we always did well before. Yeah, you know, with certain players, yeah. so we've learned to adapt to to, to the to the extent some people would... might start to argue now. The team and it's go on, go on, bro, go on. Yeah, one thing I would praise Arteta for now is that if you remember before, everything was de- entirely dependent on the individual. Now the individuals fit mm, the system mm. rather than you know we we don't it like you said it doesn't really matter if this guy's out or that guy's out there might be a small drop off in quality but everybody's capable of of performing to their assigned role so we're we're in a much better mm, mm. position as a as a football team. Yeah, I think um, obviously naturally that there are always key pieces that if they're out they fall right. Like you look at City, where even like when KDB and Haaland are not there, they still win. But you saw the moment yeah. Rodri went down, right? I think they lost. They lost like three yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. So it'd probably be yeah. similar. Like if we were to lose someone like Rice for like God forbid, like like a, a stretch. Like I think you know that that would take a lot out of us. But um, but yeah, and and obviously there is still like don't get me wrong. These guys are still good to have as part of the squad, and we hope they come back and they can contribute. But it's good that as a team, um, we've evolved to an extent where we're not ultra reliant on um. On, on some of these individuals. Um, right, let's let's move on to some listeners' questions. Some of these are, are stupid, I don't even... So first one, <laughs> from Lacasse <laughs> underscore Steenar, he says, how would Prime Walcott do as a striker in this team? I don't really get it, I don't... 
He will be holding bench. He will not be doing nothing in this team. As a number nine, no, absolutely not, man. That yeah, guy... no, as a nine. He take Martinelli's place on the wing, though. <sighs> I'm not what, so you sure. Play him, you, you'd play Theo on the left? I wouldn't play Theo on the left. I don't think I would. Would you play Theo on the left? Over Martinelli, I would, yeah. Really? Feels much better than Martinelli. Uh, I, I, if it was from the right, I would. But obviously, he's not. But what does Martinelli do that Theo couldn't do? I think. The other way around. What, what is, what is Walcott doing that Martinelli can't? Apart from run at a faster speed. He can run faster. He's a better finisher. He's more intelligent. Technically, I think he's. They're probably ran about the same technically. Yeah, I, 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 um, I didn't rate either, especially technically. What I might say, I think Theo might have better movement. I think Fio, yeah. Fio, Fio, one Fio thing we I did, get a lot, a lot of chances in this team. Theo, Theo's cold finisher. Yeah, Theo is a very good finisher. You know, you know, it is with Theo. Theo, Theo came into football at the complete wrong time for his skill set. So, as he came in, the two-man front line died. Yeah, because yeah? yeah. he should. If he was a striker, he should, he should be have been second striker. Second yeah. striker. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, he wasn't good enough to be. I mean, he still had a good career, but he wasn't. He didn't have enough of what was needed to be a top wide player at that mm. time. And then just mm. after his time, this the all the goal threat comes from wide, isn't it? And it's about mm. good movement out to in runs from wide. And he kind of just missed that, or his pace had kind of gone by the time the game went there. So he came in. If he'd come in the era before or the era after, he'd have been fine. But he, he just came in at the exact complete wrong time for it. To be fair, though, he was good in that he was, I mean, uh, good is subjective, right, uh, to how good we want to say. But you know that team where he was in with, like, Van uh, Persie, Persie Sesk, and, like, Nasri. You could make goals in that team. Yeah, like, where he, like, he was the outlet in that team, basically, right? You know, everyone else was linking up. Look how much times Fio used to get the ball out wide and he just run at the defender, straight line. Because he's playing on his on his side, and then when he did get past him on another occasion, because he hasn't got no one v one ability really other than yeah, pace, yeah. he could just stand it up or just cut it back. And fortunately, Van Persie's there, and Van Persie will will score. But Theo, mm. with what he had as a left winger now, yeah. I think he scored tons of goals, tons of goals in this team. Because I, I asked that because we've talked about how Martelli Havertz haven't really gelled. And I'm thinking if you put Walker on Havertz left side, that is not looking... Yeah, but Havertz should never have been on that left side, though. Yeah, separate debate, but yeah. No, it's a fair one. Interesting one. But yeah, he's not slapping as a striker, especially not a lone no, striker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right. Um, D underscore Wits asks... If everyone's fit, what fullback setup do you prefer? Kivior white inverting or Zinni inverting white inverting, or maybe throw in Tomiyasu or Timber in there? I would go white right back, Tomiyasu left back. Probably Timber is be- is is good enough for either one, but I have I haven't seen enough sure. of him myself for me to say. I never saw the charity shield um, okay. game. I had free tickets, but I, my kids went. Yeah. I, I went to work, so I've not, I've not seen it. I've not seen him, so I, I can't speak on him with any assurity. Okay, Khalil. Yeah, I'd probably go White and Kirio. Uh with Timber. I know we rate him really highly, and I do rate him really highly. 
there's just a part of me that's still skeptical that he plays a big part for the rest of because if you think about the reintegration of injured players under Arteta, I think it does take a while for Arteta to properly trust whoever is coming back from injury to give him that. Because if you think about hypothetically, let's say we beat Porto, every game is an absolutely humongous game. Mm. If Timber's ready to go, fine. But I, I, there's this part of me who think he's obviously had a long-term injury. There's real risk of, you know, a hamstring injury or this injury or that injury because he's making his way back. I don't know whether he gets kind of the start of minutes that we are anticipating he'll get. So factoring in that, I do think going with White and Kirill, because I think one, they're obviously solid defenders. Two, um, you know, it's worked well already. Tomiyasu, he's just a supernumerary guy to me at this point. If he turns up, he turns up fine. Um, but I'd, when you're injured so often, it's just difficult to have like faith in. I always, I, I always say with Tommy Asu, that brother should be like our seventh, eighth choice defender. Yeah. I don't know how he he seems to get away more than anyone with a lot of leeway, but still being mad highly rated amongst the Arsenal fan base, despite the fact he misses at least two months every season without fail, without fail. Uh, he, he massively frustrates me. Obviously, I get it, like, because he's such a unique profile to have, right? He, someone who can play, like, left-back, centre-back, right-back. I get it with him, but it doesn't really matter if, you, if you're not fit. Like, he's not played a single run-in since he's been here. First season, chasing top four, nowhere to be seen, injured. Last season, title, nowhere to be seen, injured. Now, again, in the running, <laughs> still haven't seen this guy. And he played every game at the Asia Cup. Um, so, yeah, uh, okay, I mean... Interesting name. Shaggy P8 Anton asks, um, for you, what were the tactical changes that we made post-November which caused the dramatic shifts in our attack and our form? Was it specific tweaks in the formation or was it just the team getting more used to the system with Kai and Declan? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you hear hear the question I asked? Yeah, yeah, I had a question. Yeah, okay. I would say uh, Odegaard plays a bit deeper now. He gets mm. on the ball more. Mm. I think if you probably look at his touches per game, I think, in, I think in the West Ham game, he had over 100 touches. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there was times in that game as well where he was picking up the ball almost from the centre-backs as well. I remember, yeah, I remember seeing yeah. it a few times. He, he's obviously been given more responsibility in the team. Mm. Um I think the defensive change as well, not having Zinchenko clogging up the midfield area and slowing us down on the ball, I think that's been another factor. Us not having um, a side that can be targeted with that Diag onto Zinchenko's side. Saka's form has improved because he hasn't got blonde hair anymore. (laughs) Um, Well, less responsibility on Gabriel. And David Raya is more comfortable and now no longer believes that he belongs in the team. Real quick as well. Sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying about Raya, about how he's really proactive and he does release the ball really quickly. And I do think obviously that helps in terms of creating uh, mismatches um, in transition. But yeah, no, it's adding on to It's it's an injury. I even forgot someone made a good point actually that a lot of us, you know, a lot of people forget to say that Raya actually didn't. Raya didn't have a preseason with us, and we joined like after like four or five games into the season, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, he, to the Anton's point, he probably didn't have that grace, right? Also, because 
a lot of the Arsenal fans like Ramsdale, so a lot of people automatically sort of disliked Raya because of that. They didn't get it in it, do you know what I mean? So, um, good, good point. Uh, all right, here's an interesting one, and and this is something that probably splits opinion a lot. Frank Puddle one says, "Why can't Arteta manage cup games? It's not only Europe, but we've struggled in the league and FA Cups and have consistent early exits." Why do you think this is? I think his lack of in-game flexibility is the problem. If plan A doesn't work, we're effed. Now, is that completely true? Is that harsh? Is there an element of truth to it? I, I think, I think, I think there's some truth to it, but I don't, I don't fully buy it all of it because I don't so think. Forget Arteta the League Cup it. games. The League Cup yeah. games are neither here nor there. Um, uh, we who have we gone out to? Brighton, City, um, West Ham. Um, like in the last three years. Forest. From my understanding, the Liverpool game, we should have won that yeah. game four or I five mean, one. This 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 year, that, that Liverpool FA Cup game, we absolutely it, it, it yeah, was I actually I, I didn't watch the game, but from what I heard from Liverpool fans and Arsenal fans and the commentary, I listened on the radio hmm. um and the commentary at the time. I don't I don't think the manager could be faulted for that cup exit. I, I think that performance was arguably even better than the one we beat them in the league a few weeks later with, to be fair. Like in terms yeah. of the amount of chances, we just didn't put the ball in the net that day. So that was our fault. Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember back to a lot of the other F. He did obviously win Forrest, the FA Cup. Boris beat us. <laughs> oh, that was poor. I remember that one. That was poor. That, that was, was poor. but I think I think all the elements was in their favour for that game. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That, those FA Cup ones happened. And who else did we go out to? Who did we go out to last season? City, City. away. City, okay. Well, that can happen. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too fussed about that. So, I don't know. The the Europe thing worries me. I think, okay. I think he's done the Pep thing sometimes, and he's he's tried to be too clever mm-hmm. sometimes um, in in Europe. Um, it's unfortunate that we gave away that silly goal um, against Porto. I mean, yeah. yeah, last year we went out of the Europa League on penalties because our keeper decided he was just going to watch all of them like he was in the crowd. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I get the point. It hasn't been good, but I think I think it's fine margins. We'll, we'll see how we get on against Porto, but mm-hmm. the FA Cup defeats, there's, there's a lot of context that goes into them, and I, I don't think most of it can be pointed at the manager. Our League Cup, I couldn't give a monkey's how well we're doing that, I'll be real. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I think the one to potentially have a discussion with, like, hopefully, obviously, we go through. But if we were to go out to Porto, then, that then probably the raises yeah, the yeah. questions start coming in about his, you know, some of the European stuff. But yeah, I agree. Domestically, I'm not like, no one's crying when we go out the League Cup, let's be honest. No, no, we don't care. The FA Cup one, like, he pretty much proved straight away. He won that competition in his first time, yeah. like his first time. And he beat. City in the semi-final and Chelsea in the final. So that was actually, um, I think with a lot of the other ones, he's tried to sort of halfway house it. Like he doesn't fully rotate, but then he doesn't fully play the first team either. So he, what you end up getting is a bit of a mishmash of a performance, which... It's not It's not a football team. It's just 11 players out there. It's just 11 players out really, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think the context is important in, in that one. I'm not, I think, I think, there can be certain discussions which you might be able to have in the future, but I don't think they're all fully applicable at the moment. What do you think, Khalil? Yeah, I agree. I think there's a difference between the domestic cup and Europa. I think Europa definitely scarred me big time. That, that was uh, the the loss to. I know it's a completely different team now, but the loss of Villarreal to Emery that really was a uh, 
Oh, don't tell me you're another one of these ones that hate Emery for no reason. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was it was more so it was just more so that you know the man you got rid of came back and slapped it on you. That was it was more of that. It's not that I just have a pathological hatred. Oh. Emery, the biggest fan. I unlike the other guy in this in this recording. I hate Emery. I I, I don't point any but I can't stand that brother, bro. But yeah, I'm a hater. I'm a hater. So yeah. Um, Noise me is like the prop that people do for Emery rather than Emery himself. Like Emery's gone, so I don't care about it. It's just more that, you know, oh, my God, also should have kept Emery. All that jazz is what annoys me. But, um, yeah, uh, the European exit. Of course, you've got the Olympiacos with the Bamiyan missing that chance at the end. So, again, is that really something you can blame on Arteta? But, yeah, the Villarreal loss was one that really grated with me. And, obviously, last season where like, Ramsdale got chipped from the halfway line. Yeah, um, losing, again, with the rotation thing. Because he didn't rotate Saliba and we lost Saliba and we all know what happened it's that thing of commit to one thing or the other. We don't really do any. And then obviously you take the L, then you take the, the injury and top in the best way. So, yeah, I do think this season will be a really kind of big, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like a litmus test. Yeah, turning point. Because if you beat Porto and you progress onto the quarterfinals, then I think the talk about his European record kind of dies away a little. Again, if we lose to Porto, I do think is a disappointing loss, even with the heritage, you know, and us lacking heritage. At this point, this team is good enough to be competing with the best. So it needs to be displayed. But yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's let's kill it off with the last one today. Um, From Tibbs11. (laughs) Anton, I already know how you feel about this one. So uh, a certain Ukrainian, Mikhailo Mudrik, has been dominating the Arsenal Oh, you, <laughs> right, and and uh, basically, from what we understand, this brother's depressed. <laughs> <Dad>. <laughs> he, 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 he got sent to Chelsea. Apparently, he was calling Arteta, saying when the deal was done, saying, "Is there nothing you can do?" Uh, well, this guy looked like he needed a real father role model at home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's fair to say that the ship has sailed on Woodrick. I don't. I'm not sure if Arsenal will ever go back in for him. Um, good. He's not even good. He's just fast and white, and the whole world <laughs> felt sorry for Ukraine, so we pledged some money to that nonsense country. Yeah, he's not good. Hey, bro, the, and and they, I even tweeted it today. I'm telling you right now, if Modric was a 15 to 20 million signing from Ukraine, and he played this way, everybody would be more honest about what he is, because he cost 100 million. People think he has to be good, so there's more to come. But there isn't. He's just fast. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes he's got tech, and other times he looks like he's just played football for the first time. I'm so glad we didn't get him. He's shit. He's yeah, like, it, it, he, he going straight back on loan to Dnipro or one of them nonsense <laughs> countries. This is it for him. He's crap. Hundred you know million for I, I, nine I, goals I, in the Ukrainian league. I can't you lie, can't, yeah. You can't tell me that's a legit transfer. That's I can't lie. There are attributes he has that are nice, yeah. But then I see him in games and there are certain things that he does. And I'm like, this is scary, bro. This this brother plays like an academy kid. Like, legit. That's what he plays like. So, he didn't um, have hardly any experience when he was yeah. bought. His, his yeah. feet didn't make no sense. He played He played legit 30. I, do you know what he got bought off? He got bought off some of those Champions League goals that he scored for Shakhtar. That's pretty much what he got bought off the back of. Like, and who he, were they he, against? Celtic? I think so. No, he had, do you know what? There was one. He had a good game really, against Real Madrid. Yeah, there was a really good one he had against Real Madrid. And I think that's what 
like perked up people's ears and people thought. Look at it this way: Luis Diaz, right, had fourteen and mm. eighteen for Porto when Liverpool bought him. Liverpool bought him for what? 37 million or so. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's. Oops. And um, you still there? I think we might have lost him. We might have lost him. Um, yeah. Um, no, I was yeah. going to uh, Mudrick. Uh, summary is beat it, chick. I don't want no business with that guy no more. Um, I think because uh, people forget that he was actually on the verge of joining Brentford for 30 mil that summer mm. before the January transfer window happened. So that that inflation was just suspect. Yeah, like crazy, yeah. crazy. No, it's that it's one of those things where, like, in ten years' time, the Athletic will do like a deep dive into what really happened with the Modric transfer, and then you'll see why transfers go into this account in the Caymans and this that. <laughs> yeah, the, the amount invested for what he was, it just never it never sat right with me. Even if I did feel as if he was a he was a good talent, and even if he was available, which I'm assuming the question was, it was to do would you take him if he was available or something? I still wouldn't. And that's even aside from the, you know, talent questions. I don't like the idea of having our Chelsea. Chelsea needs to be properly mudded. We cannot be giving yeah, them money. Yeah, I don't want to give them no more money. I don't want to take yeah. no one else. <laughs> Let them be I wouldn't mudded. I would even take Reese James right now. No, no, no. I, I, would t- I can't lie. I'm, I'm, taking, I'm still taking Caicedo. If that one, if I could get him <gasps> for a cut price. Cut price, cut price, cut price, cut price. It has to be to Billy cut price, though. He's a fraud. Billy Gilmore is turning point in the exact same performance as the Brad. Do you know what? I can't lie with Caicedo. Yeah, I'm applying heavy Deserby tax because yeah. that system looked like Deserby saved him heavy, boy. Because under Poch, I can't even lie. He's looked like, and one thing that I liked about him under Brighton here was that I thought the quality of his like tackling was so here. He's just he's late to everything. Yeah, Bro, I think he's, that, he's proper Afcon right now. <laughs> proper Afcon. Forget that guy. He's shit. Well, he's not he, shit. He, I'm gapping, but I don't he, want him. Nah, I, you the said only man I would take from Chelsea bro. right now. <laughs> you said he's moving like Wilson Palacios. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's him. Yeah, Palacios. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah I, 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 there's not many men I would take from Chelsea right now. I'll be real. But but to to Khalil's point, I think you're right. We actually need to stop helping Chelsea. And bailing them out like they're not going to get Europe this season, so they're again going to need to sell like loads of players. So, did they win in the FA Cup today? Yeah, they won three, they won three two, which means our game against them is is pushed back. So, yeah, but yeah, so in the league, our game against them got postponed. Chelsea got 150 million last season off of Mountain Havers, yeah, yeah. Arsenal and Man United were stupid. Yeah, we should not be going out that way At to least help. we're getting some use out of Havers. Yeah, it's Mount true. Still play for you. Like, oh, I haven't even seen it. I, I, I legit have not seen Mason Mount this season. Bruv, it, I, I even think I saw someone tweet today. They were like, brother, whatever injury this has, this 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 looks, this looks sounds like depression rather than an injury at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know where that brother is, man. So, yeah. Um, well, Havers is up to, I think he's up to seven now. So, let's see, man. Guys should try and push for over 10. He doesn't offer us anything in midfield. So goals should be the only currency we really judge him by, man. So let's see if he can get over 10. But um, 
All right, lads, let's leave it there. I've been going for nearly an hour 15. I'm tired. I've got work in the morning. I've got to drop the U at nursery. So, um, right. and thank you so very much for joining. <laughs> and thanks for joining, Khalil. All thanks right, for joining. Man. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Peace. Safe. All right, Khalil, thank you very much, bro. Appreciate no. it. Sports Social Podcast Network.